Welcome sports fans to Sports Inside and Out, Legends of Sports. This is your interim host, C.B. Baker. Thank you so much for joining us today. We got today, we have the NFL and NCAA update, and we're coming right off the heels of the NCAA football championship. And what a game it was. But before I get into that and bring in all my guests uh, today, I would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Seabreeze, the leader in transitional housing, and more. Uh, Armed Forces Network, while we were asleep, you were awake, making sure our way of life stays the same. And Dan and Nissan Man, that's right, Dan and Nissan Man, Nissan, Chesapeake, and Hampton Roads area, if you need a vehicle, it's the first of the year, they got some great deals going on, go see Dan and Nissan Man, SwappingKeys.com, that's SwappingKeys.com. Now, without further ado, and we'll bring on our guest. Uh, everybody knows him as Mercy Leroy Keys. <laughs> hey, CB, how you doing today? Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you, man! That, what a game last night! I, I'm just going to throw it to you. It just, just tell me what you thought. Well, you know, we we all kind of you know want to make our predictions, and uh, I guess everybody thought after watching Alabama uh, defense 14 and 0 going into the game, we felt that Clemson would have to play. A perfect game in order to win. But everybody, I think, was picking Alabama to win this thing hands down. Great crowd. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of not in Chris Fowler's court anymore. Him and Kurt Herbstreit, uh, <laughs> I think they were a little too biased. But uh, I think Clemson did what they had to do. They wore down the Alabama defense. Some of the players looked like they were tired, couldn't get to Watson. And when you let a guy who has a strong arm who's willing to run and sacrifice his body for the good of the team. And I think Watson kind of picked his level of, of the, the game up as time started dwindling down in the fourth quarter. Uh, they kept it closed. They didn't panic. Um, certain things seem not to go your way. You get sacked. Uh, your running game is not going. Gallman, I know he was unhappy because I know he likes to get out there in the open field and showcase his speed. Uh, but I think – the best, the better team won last night. Not taking anything away from Nick Saban and, and, and the Tide. Clemson just said, tonight is our night. Yeah. And they took it all the way to the end. And uh, even when it got down to the last 207 in the game, they didn't look like they were nerved. I was sitting at home, I believe, going more crazy than anybody else in the stadium because I didn't think they were having good clock management. But for some odd reason, they just decided, hey, we're going to win this game. Anyhow, and then he got a break with that penalty on Mike Williams down on the, in the end zone where the ball came to the two. So when it got there with five seconds left in the game, I knew they would find a play, whether the rub was going to work with uh, the young wide receiver coming in, Scott coming in on number uh, 25, picking off the boy Fitzpatrick and Renfro sliding out to the flat for the winning touchdown. But it was a great game, and I think anybody in America I, – I don't, I don't know, though, CB. Here in Indiana, I don't think we like – college football. <laughs> we must think Purdue is the only team in Indiana and Notre Dame and only teams in the world because I picked up the paper today just to see what would be on the front page yeah. and there's nothing Come on. about the about the championship game. They, they put a little piece on the sports page and there's not a story about the game. And I'm going like, how can you not have this game featured on yeah. the front page of your sports page. And then I looked throughout the sports page and didn't see one article 
about the game. You know, I, I, I don't know how we missed the boat out here in Indiana, but there was not. It just said Clemson upsets Shocker upsets Alabama. And there was no pictures, no post game, no nothing. I'm saying, boy, that is really, really rough to downplay the, the national championship game this poorly in the state of Indiana. Yeah, it, that that clearly looked like that was a uh, a deadline issue. Whoever was the, the beat writer for the sports page, they might be looking at a pink slip this morning. Because so, that, that's something that you just can't miss. But one thing I, I will say, Leroy, when I watched the game, it was the first half really seemed like um, Clemson just could not get get their act together, and they was really having a hard time with the physical um, the physicalness of Alabama. So I, you know, I turned to my wife and I said, "Well, this game's over with because Clemson can't do anything for real." And but I think the one thing that should not have happened when a Nick Saban team happened, they relaxed. Mm-hmm. And then when they felt like, okay, we are able to dominate this team, well, let's go ahead and go on cruise control and, you know, just take this thing to the house and another championship and, you know, in the in the trophy case, we got it wrapped up. You can't say that and, you know, with, with nine minutes to go in the third quarter, you know, and that's what they said to themselves. And the next thing you know, Clemson gets momentum and it catches fire. And then now, you know, in the fourth quarter, Alabama's looking at, you know, down four points. And then they flip the switch back on, and they drive right down the field and score a touchdown. So they, and then they go back and say, okay, this is what we could do. But here's the problem. You left Clemson with just, you know, just under three minutes to go ahead and drive down the field. And then you're not going to get the ball back. So that was one of those things that is just it's amazing. And, Leroy, I want to tell you something. A lot of people are missing this one key stat here. Deshaun Watson completed 36 passes of his 56 attempts, 56 attempts for 420 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> well, you know, it it was almost like last year. I mean, he, for the last two years, he's passed for over 400 yards. And you, you sit back and look at his stats and you keep saying, where is the yardage coming from? But the boy Renfro was finding the open seams. They, they kept the ball moving when they needed to have it moved. And and Mike Mike Williams is a beast. I mean, if it comes near him, he's going to go up and get it. I yeah. mean, he, he made some exciting plays. But CB, I, I'm just going to go back, and if you, you don't remember, I'm going to reflect on what I thought happened to Alabama. Okay, go ahead. When the boy Scarborough went down, Alabama went down. Scarborough was running so hard. That looked like the 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 Clemson defensive backs didn't even want to come in with their name. It was like either he had a skunk odor or he had something going on. They said, "Man, I ain't getting in front of that guy. He, he's not going to run over me." On that touchdown run where he went down the sideline, Boulware looked like he said, "Okay, I'm going to make an effort, but I'm not going to tackle him." Right. And then when he got to the secondary, all the secondary guys just said, "Dive at the ground and just make it look like we're looking good." But when he went down and he went into the locker room, then he took him into the tent on the sideline. I, I said, Hurts can't do it by himself. I thought the young man, Harris, who came in to replace him, number 34, ran hard. But at that moment, I thought Clemson said, wait a minute, we don't have to worry about number nine anymore. 
The wide receiver Rid, Rid, Ridley is not going to hurt us. The passing game is not going to hurt us. So let's just bring heat when we have to and make Hurts beat us with his feet. Wasn't enough. He needed that big running back to keep that interior defensive line of Clemson on his on his heels. Right. Without him in the game, Clemson just turned loose Watkins. They turned loose Wilkins. They just turned loose everybody. Bulwar was like making tackles in this in the backfield. Uh, I, I just think losing number nine was crucial, and I could see on Saban's face. Oh Lord, we're in trouble. Yeah, you, you can just sense it, and uh, and quite naturally, uh, I think Dabo and I, I think Venable on the sideline told the defense guys, "Let's turn it up a notch offensively. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Throw the ball downfield." They weren't putting that uh, pressure in the fourth quarter, especially in the last five minutes on Watson that they had put on him early in the game. Yeah, it's it's um. It's a big shout out to to uh, my former coach Brett Venables. I was he was there for a year, one of the years I was there at Oklahoma, and he is a very passionate um, coach. And you know, for the life of me, I never understood why the Oklahoma fans wanted Brent Venables gone because look where he's at now. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. It, look at me now. Look, look at, at me, me now. now. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, a lot of people had credited, you know, to go into the little Oklahoma thing, had credited the the championship um, that Oklahoma got back in 2000, um, uh, 2000 to Mike Stoops. Right. And, but a lot of people don't know that Britt Venables was the linebacker's coach. Right. During that time. So so he has, you know, essentially two national championships underneath his belt, Brett Venables. And, you know, I hope they uh, Clemson finds a way to pay the man, because if you don't pay him, he's going to go to get a head coach job somewhere else because he's that good of a coach. Well, well, you know, that that's the one risk that you run. And I guess it's sort of like reading the article that the uh, athletic director at Western Michigan said when P.J. Fleck headed over to Minnesota here in the Big Ten, uh, it's, it's a good thing that people recognize how good our coaches coach. Although we resent losing him, the bottom line is when, when you start winning 13 games, 14 games a year, somebody's going to come after you. But also when you're sitting, standing next to the head coach on the sideline and you're wearing your passion on your on your shoulders, on your sleeve, on your heart, and you can see it on his face that he was saying, "Come on, guys, we can do this." And uh, quite naturally, I think some teams out there that have already fired head coaches will saying, uh, "We're gonna bring him for an interview." So there's a possibility that Dabo won't be looking at, at, at Mr. Venable next year this time, because the bottom line is he he's a talent, and like you said, CB, he loves winning. He loves motivating the players, and he's a player's coach. And you can sense that by the way his players reacted during the course of the season, but right. also during the course of that playoff game. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just amazing um, the the things that the program of Clemson has done in the past just five years, you know. And Clemson really did put ACC and along with um, Florida State really back on the map as. A, a force to be reckoned with, you know, because a lot of times, even myself, have criticized their lack of, of schedule. But if you able to go in there and beat Alabama, which everybody says was, listen to this, people was not only saying was they the best team this year, they were saying it was the best college football team ever. Ever. <laughs> you know, 
ever. <laughs> that, that's that's ooh, that's a that's a tough that's a tough call. But like like you said, they 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 played that way during the course of the year, and and every p- component that they had was clicking. Uh, and I think readily, no one said at home. Uh, I think the long money in Vegas was probably all on Alabama. Uh, you look at the fan support is is, is down in Tampa, where it's easy for. But I guess both schools are just by just as close to the to the location. But I think when you look at it, Alabama just had all the notoriety, and poor Clemson was saying, "If we can just stay on the same field with them," but we had to remember. If it wasn't for the onside kick last year, <laughs> that Alabama recovered, right. there's the possibility Clemson could have won it two years in a row. So uh, I, I think Clemson got beyond the, the the imagination stage and say, hey, we can win this game. We don't have to imagine that we can win it. We know we can win it. And that's what Debo was saying on the sideline. This team played out of love for one another, for this, for for their each for each other. For for the university, for our alumni, and it was a whole lot of people they played for, but they showed up and showed out. Yes, they did. Well, switching gears here to the NFL, there's um, this is we haven't been on the air in, in in a while. You know, had to wait through the first of the year, but a whole lot went on in NFL. Um, as you know, the Cowboys got their bye. Uh, they they <laughs> they did good, and um, this week they have a pretty good test. So, a lot of people are saying that. They're going to be one and done. So what, how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, the, the best thing I can see happening for the Cowboys, they will not have to f- fight the frigid cold air in Lambar Stadium or going to Green Bay. I think at home, you close the dome up, you keep Dak, you keep Ezekiel, you keep Dez and the boys warm. Anything can happen now that you've gotten this far, but Aaron Rodgers is saying, hey, guys, we're on the roll right now. I mean, why not us? We just manhandle the Giants. Uh, we're going to a warm climate. We're going to turn Peppers loose. We're going to turn Matthews loose. We're going to turn our defense loose and see if our defense can keep uh, Ezekiel from hurting us. But the bottom line is Dak is going to have to play the game of his life. Uh, when there's opportunity for him to run, he's going to have to utilize his legs to keep the ball moving. Because I tell you what, you don't want Aaron Rodgers to sit back in the pocket and play like a little bit of Fran Tarkenton. Now you see me, now you don't. Because Jordy Nelson will find a way to get open. Randall Cobb will find a way to get open. So it's going to be a good game. And I, as I sit here and, and, and looked at the, uh, Dallas sitting at home watching who they're going to play, uh, having Green Bay come to Dallas, I'm going to get an edge to Dallas because Jerry Jones is going to be looking from this, down from his his box so hard. <laughs> he may say, if we had to stick Tony Romo in here to try to get a win, I might have to do that. But the bottom line is I, I still like Dallas a little bit because Dallas has shown throughout the year. They have been consistent when they needed to be consistent. They've had some distractions, but yet they still seem to say, let's overcome those distractions and play like the Dallas Cowboys of old. So I'm going to give a little teeny-weeny edge to the Cowboys because I like Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just funny how the, the Dallas Cowboys got granted uh, a bye week, and their reward for the bye week was <laughs> the, the hardest team in the NFL right now, which is the Green Bay Packers. You know, right. I, so I've really, in my opinion, 
I think it's going to be a close game, and it really depends on how Zeke Elliott performs and the offensive line performs for the Cowboys. It, it is. It, it always comes down, and you being a former lineman, you know that Dallas is going to have to open some holes. But uh, I've seen Ezekiel do some things without a hole. Between him right now and Levon Bell up at Pittsburgh, these two guys look like they just say, wait a minute, let me wait a little while, let me buy some time. And then all of a sudden, bam, 10 yards down the field, 15 yards down the field. So uh, I would say they're the two marquee running backs right now, although Blunt is going to give you a good game up in New England, but he's more short yardage. Uh, Rawls out at Seattle. He looked like he think, and he looked like he might be the next coming to Marshawn Lynch. But the bottom line, he had a great game. Uh, so when I look at the running backs, I look at the starting quarterbacks. Uh, Matt Ryan down in Atlanta is not a piece of. Uh, uh, I think he's up for MVP possibly. Um, so I, I think they're going. All the games should be good. But I think Seattle is going to go down to Atlanta, and they're playing indoors. I think I'm going to try to get it. I'm going to get the edge to Atlanta because they're at home, and they're going to have their fans are going to be rocking and rolling, hoping yeah. that they can upset the Seattle uh, Seahawks. I'm going to give Dallas because Dallas at home inside a dome. I'm going to get them a little edge. But New England, New England is playing Houston. If Cloney. You don't have JJ on the other side. If Cloney is not coming hard and putting bringing pressure on Brady. Amadola uh, and, and the wide receivers will have a field day against because I don't think Osweiler is anywhere near the quarterback that Houston needs to beat New England. So I'm going to take yeah. New England up there. Yeah. I, I just got to get that to New England. And quite naturally, you know, when, when you sit there and you say Rosselberger and Pittsburgh against Kansas City, Alex Smith is a good quarterback. You miss Jamal Charles a lot. They got a great defense. But I guess I'm going to have to squeeze over and get it to Pittsburgh against Kansas City. Yeah. And, you know, to go back to what you were saying about um, the Texans and Patriots game, I, I hate the disrespect that Texas, like what I'm about to say, but this is going to be basically a scrimmage for um, oh, yeah. the Patriots. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, oh, it, yeah. it, and it, it's really a testament to the Texans that they even made it this far. Because you think about all the stuff they've been through all year, with the injuries, the quarterback controversies and everything, and you still was able to not only to make the playoffs, you know, win a game and win a wild card game and, and, and end up going one game into the playoffs. So it's um it's it's not a losing factor if they get blown out this this week because you really did do a lot just to get where you were. No, and, and you know, I, I think basically, I think Houston backed into this thing. When you sit back and look at that conference, when you say Houston, uh, the Tennessee Titans, and the Indianapolis Colts, nobody seemed like they wanted to take this thing and win it. Yeah. And so Houston backs into this thing, as far as I'm concerned. And then you 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 catch an Oakland Raider team without their starting quarterback, and you, you're starting your third-string quarterback, basically, and you say to yourself, wait a minute. Cloney said, let me just put my cleats in the ground and let me just run around this offensive tackle and just keep pressure on Cook all day long. This kid looked so jittery. He looked like he had gone into a candy factory and didn't know what he wanted. He couldn't <laughs> complete a pass. I mean, they, they kept him off balance the whole game. So quite naturally, I'm thinking Houston, again, is 
backsliding into the next phase. And now they know, hey, we wanted somebody else to beat somebody so we wouldn't have to go to New England. And now they're going to New England, and I know Tom Brady is sitting up there saying, I missed four games. I still came back and did thus, 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 and thus. Uh, we are still we st- everything still comes through New England. We 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 still feel like we're the cream of the crop in the league. Dallas had a decent year, but the bottom line is they I think they believe that it still comes through New England, and until otherwise proven differently. And I don't see Houston being the one to derail New England. No, I just I, don't see it. I don't. But you know, the team that I do see that could do that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Very true. Very yeah, true. I, I, the Pittsburgh Steelers with Le'Veon Bell, you know, barring a, you know another injury um, or a setback for him, I, I, I see them being able to handle the Kansas City Chiefs pretty well, and and then going into that game against New England and for the um, the, the conference championship is is very huge, you know, and, and it's going to be a big game, and that's the only team I really see at the moment that will give the Patriots any real trouble, especially now that the New York Giants is out the playoffs because you could, <laughs> for the New York Giants, you couldn't, you didn't know what team was going to show up. So, um, and that's a whole nother subject that every other sports, <laughs> sports talk guy has taught, has beat the death for the past couple of days on the situation with the boat, the boat trip and everything. With Beckham. So we're not even going to go there. We're going we're gonna to keep going forward. You, I, see, see, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm not even gonna talk about that team uh, because the bottom line is, uh, uh, it looked like they want. And when you say it looked like the junior varsity playing against the varsity, <laughs> that's the way it looked. And uh, so now that we got, we know there are eight teams that are still playing for something. And as they go into this weekend and start uh, trying to eliminate one another, it, it, it should it should come down to. The unknowns. We we know New England is there. We watch Pittsburgh do what they do well. We watch Green Bay do what they do well. Dallas didn't have to play anybody. They sat there and waited. So they had another extra week off to heal any bumps and bruises. Uh, the only thing I see wrong with the Cowboys right now, I, I hope they ran the boy Randy Gregory out of the state. Uh, he he's a distraction if I've ever seen one. I mean, you know, you miss all of the season, you come back in and you don't do anything in here, and then you turn around and, and act like an idiot again that I can't get beyond my habits, uh, which are bad. Yeah. And he's a talented young man, but he's a troubled young man. And Dallas doesn't need any trouble, although I know Jerry Jones will set up there in his first box and say, and, and anything he thinks may lead to controversy, he'll edge it on or egg it on. And the bottom Bottom line is, I, but I'm looking at Russell Wilson again. Uh, I, I don't see Seattle having all the pieces that they had in the past. I, I, I like Russell, but Russell right now, everybody has found out that Russell doesn't run as much anymore because Russell looked like that bad ankle, the high sprain, high ankle sprain, yeah. the knee, the back. So Russell has taken a lot of hits that he didn't take over the last three years. And so the bottom line is nobody's scared of Sherman anymore in the corner. Cam Cancel, they don't pay any attention to him. And the, the special spark to the uh, Seattle Seahawks was his safety, who was out all season. So I, I think Seattle it will play a good game. But eh, I just think Atlanta is saying, you coming to us down here in the Dome, and we got our fans, we got our backers. So I'm going to take Julio Jones and Matt Ryan over Russell Wilson and, and Mr. Baldwin. 
you know, the, the, the Seattle Seahawks at this point, they're going to have to take a page out of the Dallas Cowboys page, which is what I'm saying with that is they're going to have to go into the draft and start drafting office alignment and, and getting and take a three-year, like, we're going to just take a hit for three years. Right. Get, get right. a good office line in there. Keep Russell uh, Wilson um, healthy and safe back there as much as possible. And then we get a good, run, a decent running back. And the next thing you know, we're going to be talking about Russell Wilson, like how we talked about Tony Romo. Now, the one big difference in that whole statement that I made was Jerry Jones was expecting Tony Romo to be playing. He was expecting him to be hurt. But he had built an <laughs> offense that was so good, like a team, okay, that was so good in protecting the quarterback. You can take a rookie quarterback from Mississippi State, put him in the game, and he is not only able to make sure they don't lose a game, but thrive because he's got a good running back. He's a decent enough quarterback to get the ball down the field and not make mistakes. And look what you have. You have a great right. team. So he did everything possible for Tony Romo to get his um, Super Bowl championship. He just wasn't expecting Tony Romo to be hurt. So that's the same playbook that I think the Seattle Seahawks need to do. Because look at the offensive line. They did the offensive line even the year that they won the Super Bowl. The offensive line wasn't good. Mm. You know. Well, you know, you had the big boy uh, Faint F A N T at the uh, offensive left tackle. A former basketball player, a kid who never played the, played the spot in his life, and he's a starter. Yeah. And when you come up against guys who can really bull rush quick with their hands, and and you got him laying on laying on his back heel. The only thing I can say in in, in defense of the uh, Seattle Seahawks line, they're not the line that they once were. And I I love your viewpoint that. Uh, Pete Carroll and management had to sit back and say, wait a minute, guys, until we get some linemen in here who are marquee, who can block and open holes for roles, and if we had to go into the draft to find that one running back coming out of college this year who might be able to come into Seattle and be a difference maker, fast enough to take it outside on the edges, strong enough to take it in the middle, and quick enough that when he gets to the second level, he can put the pedal metal to the pedal to the metal, pedal to the grass or whatever we want to call it. <laughs> and the bottom line is the way I look at it, they are about like I would say three years project. Now, will they be patient enough in Seattle to say, okay, we can't afford to get Russell beat up over the next three years. And then we also got to look at what quarterback out there that we can bring into Seattle that can get three years of tutelage watching Russell do his thing before Russell hit that, what I call that proverbial Drew Brees wall, right. uh, Philip Rivers wall. Uh, Cause all these guys now who are turning 38 and 39, <laughs> I, 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 and they keep talking about, well, you know, my contract calls for three more years. I don't know if I would labor <laughs> with three more years with guys who are, uh, I'm even looking at Eli Manning. I mean, these guys are not young puppies anymore at quarterback. They're not as mobile. They had to stay in the pocket, and they constantly taking these hits from uh, when you get hit by some of these defensive ends that's coming off the edge, number 52 for Oakland. Uh, you got my boy out of Denver. These guys are now seeing quarterbacks 
if you can't move, we're going to light you up. Yeah. And Rosenberger got hit enough last year with all his ailments. Rodgers was out for a substantial, substantial amount of time. The Eagles' Wentz is probably the only quarterback that was big enough that nobody could really hit or harm. And uh, But I think now the teams are going to start saying, wait a minute, we may start looking at these big 6'4", six, 6'3", six, quarterbacks. Not, not Osweiler, because he's tall and rangy. But, but if he was like Rosslenberger with weight on his body, he may be a factor. But yeah. uh, right now, I think Houston wasted a lot of money on a project. Yeah, you know, one thing I will say, too, is is if the if the owners took a page out of the, what the NBA does, it's like, okay, I'm, I got a star player, and you sit him down and say, look, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want you off the team. I want you on the team, but I can't afford to pay you this amount of money because I got to get players in here to protect you. And, right. I, and then the players have got to say, okay, you know, I, I've made enough. I can back off a little bit on it. You know, some similar to what Peyton Manning did. Right. But the one thing that really is holding all of that back is that none of the contracts are really guaranteed in the NFL like the NBA. So, uh, you know, you tell a guy, well, let's uh, back you off that hundred, quote, quote unquote, hundred million dollar contract, which is really only worth, you know, 60 million to a quarterback. Right. <laughs> but then when you think about it, I'm paying a quarterback 60 million dollars. And then I look at the <laughs> offensive line that's protecting this asset. They're only getting, you know, 15 to 20 million total. Right. You know, that's right. that's a problem. You know, <laughs> it, it, you're laying on your back looking up at the uh, looking up at the scoreboard just hanging over the over the field. And you wonder why you're there. It's like because they only paid 15 million dollars to protect you. you yeah. You, 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 your, your money is going in the wrong direction. Right. And that seemed to be a staple of what management now does in the NFL. Uh, we're going to give all the money to the quarterbacks and then we're going to try to create and get some bandages, some tape <laughs> and some, some sticky glue and try to put together an offensive line. And we keep wondering why are all the offensive linemen getting their knees with braces on, they're getting their ankles turned, they're getting their MCLs, the whole nine yards. And the quarterback is back there saying, but I don't have an offensive line in front of me. Right. No joke. And I think the owners go ahead to realize it all starts on both sides of the ball with the O line and, and the D line, because if you get, if you don't have anybody who can get to the quarterback, then the quarterback will have great numbers. Because these wide receivers, you don't need to give them a weekend to, to run a route. Uh, Antonio Brown doesn't need long to find a scene. Uh, Graham doesn't take long. The big tight ends always seem to find a scene when they get a linebacker in open space. So the bottom line is, you got to get you an offensive line first. Get if you got to spend money in 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 the free agency, get you the horses that you can put in front of this quarterback, and then you tell that little running back, "Hey, we'll open a hole if you just." Be patient. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that I think the Steelers have done a great job of. I thought Oakland had done a great job of it with their offensive line. But then when I saw the backup quarterback and I said, <laughs> ain't no need to talk about that. The running back is saying, I become a blocker now because this guy, <laughs> if, 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 if we don't stay in the block uh, seven, <laughs> he's in trouble all day long. So general managers. Owners have to sit down when they go to their big time conventions, whether it's in a some some far off resort playing golf for a couple of days. They're gonna have to start realizing that we need to get some of them big linemen like Wisconsin has, and some of the big linemen like Ohio State has, and Alabama has, and uh, the, the big boys. We got to get the the guy who wants to work hard. 
But then you got to say he wants to work harder than hard because once he gets to the NFL, you don't, you don't, you can't take a playoff. That's right. And, and it's because it's all business and you're, you're, you're making a decent salary, but the bottom line also you're protecting the most valuable product on the football team in the quarterback. That's right. Well, you've heard it here, people. We had a, a great show. And um, one thing I want everybody here to, to know and listen and when you hear my voice, where legends speak, people listen. Till next time, people. All right.